Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. In for Big Daddy Graham. Uh, Just watching the highlights here on the TV of this uh, Saints-Broncos game. It feels so bad for this kid Hinton who had to play quarterback for the Broncos as they lost all their quarterbacks to COVID protocols. Um, we'll, we'll go through this a little later on uh, more in depth. We got our recap coming up later in the show. Uh, but, man, I, I mean, the, the the Broncos in a tough spot uh, without any of their quarterbacks. But, um, you know, there's reason for it. And the NFL, I think, did what they had to do with the Denver Broncos. They're looking to make an example of somebody because they're close to the finish line at this point. Um, This season so far has gone, I mean, I think far better than anybody could have imagined. I I didn't think we'd get to this point with as few issues as we've had uh, where, you know, they they hit some snags earlier in the year. Now they're going through an issue with the, with the, Ravens and steel with the Ravens Steelers game where the Ravens have an outbreak going on um, in their locker room. Uh, but the NFL is getting close to the finish line now and they can't have teams jeopardizing this. And they, they made an example of Denver Broncos. Um, you know, is it fair? I, I think it, why not? It, yeah, it's fair. If you're not following the, the rules, um, you will be punished. And um, you got six weeks of the regular season left. And then I think for the playoffs, I think you're going to have to go to bubbles. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens. Um, that once you get to the postseason, AFC in, a, in one bubble, NFC in another bubble, uh, and you go from there because uh, you can't jeopardize uh, everything getting thrown off in the playoffs after you find a way to get through the regular season. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, talking a lot of Eagles and the most fascinating thing in this game Monday night, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are going to be interested in seeing Jalen Hurts. He's going to play more. Yeah, uh, that that'll be that that will certainly pique everybody's curiosity. But the thing that I'm most curious about: how does Carson Wentz respond to this? Um, because he's still the franchise guy, and he still is the quarterback that I think this organization wants to move forward with. But they are trying to jar something loose in him. And I think that is why they're getting this out there that, you know, they are uh, contemplating making a change, that they're contemplating 
playing Jalen Hurts more? Because Carson Wentz looks like a quarterback who's playing with very little emotion right now to me. And um, maybe this is a ploy to try to wake him up uh, and get him back right. Uh, But um, it's going to be interesting how he responds. He'll tell a lot about who he is as a person, what he is as a player. 215-592-9494. In a minute, I will get to this Philly story, um, which is just disgraceful. But first, let's talk to Dave and Cherry Hill. What's up, Dave? Hey, good morning. How's it going? All right. Uh, I wanted to talk about mainly, uh, and I called to talk about uh, Doug Peterson. Okay. But first, I could give my uh, opinions if, about Carson Wentz, if I may. Yeah, sure. Uh, I really don't think he'll be bad at all. I think he'll be pretty good. But I don't think he'll be as good as you're hoping for to take charge of the team. And at the end of the day, I think at the end, you still have that little dubiousness. Is he good or is he bad? But he, I think he will play better. Why are you confident that he'll play better, uh, Dave? Just because the Seahawks' defense isn't very good? No, because of his character. I really don't think that he's... He, to me, he's shown he's got a lot of heart and a lot of fight. And I just don't think he'll give in. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I'll say this, though, Dave. It, the way he's played the last couple weeks has concerned me. I don't think he's played um, with a lot of fight the last couple weeks. Yeah, well, it sure has looked that way, but I'm putting part of the game blame on Peterson, and I know this has been debated uh, forever the last few weeks, but uh, getting to the uh, Doug Peterson uh, thing, uh, I wonder if if he is the puppeteer or the puppet. Who's pulling the strings and making these personnel moves? Who's moving Peterson around? Who's moving the Hertz around? Who's moving Carson Wentz around? And uh, his bizarre behavior and comments in between weeks, it shows me that where is he? looks like he doesn't know what to say. Maybe somebody's telling him what to say. Well, I think, I mean, I think there's definitely part of that, Dave. I, I think with the quarterback situation, um, you know, Doug says it's solely his decision. I just don't believe that to be so. I think... You know, decisions with the quarterback and when, who, which quarterback to play, whether he can pull Carson Wentz, I think they, they are decisions that come from above Doug's head and they come from Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie. And also, where to use Mailata and uh, Peters? And, uh, Peters? Uh, Jordan Mailata, according to reports, is going to play left tackle. Uh, Jason Peters will play right guard if he can play. He's hurt again. He's got turf toe or something. And then yeah, but th- I'm saying who's 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 pulling the strings? Who's he, uh, he should have done that two weeks ago? I or agree. One week ago. I agree, Dave. I think that's another thing that comes from upstairs. I think Jeffrey Laurie loves Jason Peters, and Jeffrey Laurie wanted Jason Peters to play, and that's why Jason Peters is playing. All right. Well, well, if this is all true, and I believe it is, uh, I think the team knows this. And that that has uh, filtered through all the play of the special teams and the defense and the offense. And uh, that's part of the reason for the bad play more than Carson Wentz. He's a victim, and maybe Peterson's a victim well, of yeah, all this. But, Dave, we go, we go, I feel like we got to stop doing this where we're, Carson's not always the victim. Like, he is responsible for his own poor play. It's not everybody else's fault all the time. True, he, he, his turnovers are his fault. No, all right. I agree with you on that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, Dave. Thanks. Uh, appreciate the call. And yeah, I mean, I we got to stop doing this. Like, we just 
we got to stop doing this where we where we, Carson's the victim. He's not a victim. He's not a victim. Uh, he's got to play better. And I think he can. I really do. I want Carson Wentz to play better. I don't want Carson Wentz to fail. Uh, you know, like uh, the last caller earlier said, you know, people want Carson Wentz. Nobody wants Carson Wentz to fail. We just want Carson Wentz to play better. We want him to show some leadership, show some emotion, show some fight, which he hasn't done. He hasn't. I mean, the last two weeks, I didn't see a guy who was playing with a lot of emotion or, or, or attitude or fight. I saw a guy who who was intimidated and kind of cowered in the moment. And I think this is why the Eagles are are doing what they're doing right now as far as putting this out in the media. Now, I don't know if it's the right approach. I don't know if they know if it's the right approach. I think they're desperate, and they are trying anything to salvage a guy they made a massive investment in. And they've tried the soft approach. They've tried to coddle him. They've tried to, you know, uh, be on his side and support him unwaveringly. That hasn't worked. That is, if anything, had a negative effect. So now I think they're going the other direction, and I think they're trying to put some pressure on him. I think they're trying to put some heat on him. I think they're trying to tell him that if you don't play well, you it doesn't matter what you're getting paid, you are going to sit. And I would hope that Carson Wentz would respond like a true franchise quarterback and a true competitor would and come out and, you know, say, bleep you, this is my team. I'm going to take my team back and I'm going to perform well. Because, you know, I know a lot of people like to make fun of Donovan and his attitude and all this. Well, that's what Donovan did in 08. Donovan got benched and you know what it did? It motivated him and got him mad. And he came out and he played great the rest of the season. I'd hope that's what Carson Wentz would do. I'd hope that's what any real competitor would do. Carson Wentz hasn't done that the last couple weeks. And, um, you know, if he is a franchise quarterback, he'll rise to this occasion and not cower away from the moment. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. And um, now I want to switch gears a little bit. And switch over to the Phillies, which, you know, I've been saving here because obviously we've been talking a lot of Eagles. It's a big game, quarterback controversy. That's going to dominate the conversation. And typically that's what what we would discuss along with what happened in Sunday in the NFL all show long. But there is a Philly story from this weekend that is just too important to ignore. And, you know, it's just the the lack of, of being in touch with the fan base, the, the just complete incompetence and complete ju- just... I, I don't even know how to describe it. Just, you can't be any more out of touch than this organization is right now. And the the last 12 months have been so embarrassing for the Philadelphia Phillies and for their owner, John Middleton, who every day that goes by is exposed more and more 
as the fraud snake oil salesman that he is. And the latest story um, that came out over the weekend is amid this pandemic, uh, the Phillies fired a number of employees. They fired 80 employees um, this week. The week of Thanksgiving, when they chose this was the right time to make this move. Um, The week of Thanksgiving. Just think about that. Uh, Really classy by John Middleton. Uh, as always, handles everything with pure class. Um, but they fire 80 employees. And here was the statement that the Phillies released, uh, well, that was obtained, that they um, sent to their, to, to their uh, workforce. The past several months have been extremely difficult as we sought to consolidate our workforce due to the impact of the current pandemic. As a result, Of that process, we've reduced our front office staff in Philadelphia and Clearwater by 80 positions between the business and baseball operations sides of the organization. Fortunately, the vast majority of those accepted a voluntary separation agreement. So they try to justify it in the end with they bought some people out uh, to make it look better. But make no mistake, this is... Uh, this is, this is not good. This is not amicable. This is not anything that these employees wanted. And, you know, as if that's not distasteful enough, firing 80 people right before the holidays, uh, and cutting your baseball operation staff again, um, that bothered me to begin with. And then I went to inquire.com. And I read uh, Marcus Hayes' piece on this uh, development. And Marcus Hayes could not have described this any better when referring to this organization. An organization that is so tone deaf, they make PR, PR mistake after PR mistake. It's never ending with the Phillies. In this piece, Marcus Hayes um, refers to other teams uh, who have had to make layoffs. The A's, um, the Marlins, uh, a couple other teams. I think the Angels were in there. But several other teams that had to make a couple layoffs. But the difference, Marcus says, between them and the Phillies are they're at least not teams. He refers to the Phillies as a team that would keep punching itself in the face even if both arms were cut off. And that is what is going on with the Phillies this entire offseason, from the bullpen disaster to Middleton's joke of a press conference to McPhail's press conference, which was even worse. It's been uh, embarrassment after embarrassment. And he says this was just the latest example of that. Uh, The most tangibly tone-deaf maneuver by a franchise that has consistently stubbed its toe in public since Middleton, a tobacco scion reportedly worth more than $3.4 billion. 3.4, that's billion, with a B. Assume control of the club in 2016. And reports say... The Phillies lost about $150 million this past season. Uh, there was a piece in, I think, the New York Daily News that originally said it was $2 billion, which 
I don't know if John Middleton actually said that. It seems like that was a, a, an error by the New York Daily News. Yeah, they, they changed okay. that line to just say a lot of money or something to that effect. They took that part back. Okay. So I won't put that on Middleton. But um, $150 million is apparently what the Phillies lost last year uh, in revenue. That is 4.4% of $3.4 billion. So, I mean, let's face it, that, that's not, uh, I'm not telling other people how to spend their money, but 4.4% is not going to, you know, uh, John Middleton shouldn't be out here crying poor. Let's just put it that way. Um, and then Marcus Hayes did this exercise. Assume the 80 employees uh, that the Phillies then chose to lay off each made $100,000 in salary, which they did not. They, they don't make that kind of money um, for working, you know, lower jobs in baseball operations or, or whatever, uh, in whatever um, kind of uh, way they worked with the organization. But that's $8 million. That would be 0.2% of $3.4 billion. If $8 million of $3.4 billion still sounds like a, a lot, use this comparison. For an American household making $80,000, that's $160. So John Middleton fired 80 people the week of Thanksgiving to save 0.2% of his precious $3.4 billion. Uh, if that doesn't tell you all you need to know about what this guy is, then, uh, you know, um, I don't know what more information you need. The owner who doesn't want to hire a real GM because he doesn't think anybody will uproot during a pandemic, and that's not what it is. He just doesn't want to pay anybody. He's cheap. Um, the owner who is now apparently crying poor within the organization and telling people within the Phillies organization that don't expect JT Real Muto back. He wants too much money. We can't sign him. We're also not going to go out and sign any other big-name free agents because we don't have the money. The guy worth $3.4 billion is saying these things and just fired 80,000 people to save 0.2% of his $3.4 billion. And... um. I, you know, I feel bad that so many people were fooled by John Middleton. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that I wasn't. Uh, I always kind of saw through the facade. Like when people go over the top with their proclamations, it's, it's easy to spot a fraud. It is. And the minute John Middleton came on with Angelo and talked about how much he wanted his bleeping trophy back and all that nonsense, I don't know it. It just didn't seem genuine to me. It really didn't. Um, I always thought that he was, you know, uh, not what he said he was. When you have to say how much you want to win instead of, you know, using your actions to show how much you want to win, that's usually not a good sign. And um, John Milton's actions haven't, haven't matched his words. It's why the Phillies continue to go into seasons with massive holes on their roster. It's why they're going to lose JT Real Muto. 
It's why they're not going to hire a real GM. Um, and it's why they're always, you know, with the exception of that five-year run, a bad organization. Because they don't want to spend. The only reason they spent on Bryce Harper was to fill the ballpark. It had nothing to do with winning. All they wanted to do was get people back in the seats because after that long sellout streak, everybody stopped going to games. And they said, how are we going to get fans back in the ballpark? Bryce Harper's available. Go sign him. That'll get people to buy tickets. That'll get people to buy merchandise. And that'll get people back in the ballpark. That was the only reason they did it. It was a $330 million investment to get you to give John Middleton more of your hard-earned money. And that's all he cares about. He doesn't care about winning. He doesn't care about building a, a, a foundation that is going to be a, a, a stable baseball franchise for the future. All he wants to do is take the fans' money, and it, it's disgraceful. And to fire these people the week of Thanksgiving to save 0.2% of his money is 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 pretty sickening. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. That's my Phillies rant um, that I just had to get to uh, even on a day the Eagles are playing because it bothered me so much. Uh, next up, though, I, I want to get back to um, some of the things we were talking about with uh, in regards to DK Metcalf and how frustrating that is. Um, Ruben Frank wrote a piece on um, NBC Sports Philadelphia's 10 Observations and uh, talked about the ineptness of Howie Roseman and the drafting of this organization. That uh, you know, you you look at the receivers, you look at DK Metcalf and guys like that. It's a lot worse. We'll go through some of that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two nine four nine four is how you join the show. Um, I touched on earlier the frustration of, you know, the Eagles and their drafting of wide receivers, which is just, I don't know how an organization can have a a blind spot for one position the way the Eagles do um, at this one position where for years they have just been unable to, to, to draft difference-making wide receivers, and it seems like a position that should be one of the easiest. You know, you take guys with with talent and guys that fit your system and and you get the most out of them, and they have taken guys high and they've never been able to really mold them into what they need to mold them into. I mean, think about the fact that since they drafted Deshaun in 08 and Jeremy Macklin in 2009, the best receiver they've drafted, and, you know, I'm not including Jalen Rager in this because I think it's way too early to uh, know what you have in Jalen Rager. And, I mean, with what Justin Jefferson's doing right now, it is making the Jalen Rager pick look worse and worse every day. Um, but the best receiver the Eagles have drafted is Nelson Aguilar. And it's not even close. Like, that's how bad it is. It's not even close that he's been the best one who drafted. Second best is Jordan Matthews. And then it's a bunch of guys that you probably never heard of um, or you've tried hard to forget about um, over the last 10 years. Um, But, you know, as we look at the Eagles now and we place blame for this season, which is not over. And again, I'm 
I, I'm. This is in many ways the most interesting game of the season tonight because I I can't wait to see how Carson Wentz responds to this kind of adversity. But as we look at where to place blame, you know whether you want to place it on Doug Carson Wentz, um, a lot of it does have to go on Howie Roseman, and you know this season has really made me change my mind a lot on Howie Roseman where. I have, you know, been frustrated with his moves at times, but I've I've thought that he's done a good enough job of finding guys late in seasons to help keep seasons afloat. You know, in 2018, you bring in a Craven LeBlanc late in the year, he's able to help and get you in the playoffs. You know, you, finding guys, you know, off the scrap heap uh, to bring in and play, but the the bad drafting has really caught up with the Eagles here. And, you know, it's going to come to a head, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it a lot, on Tuesday after, you know, watching DK Metcalf play. And you take J.J. Ortega-Whiteside over DK Metcalf, it's the type of move that haunts you for years. And it's starting to, unfortunately, look like taking Jalen Rager over... Um, Justin Jefferson is a similar move uh, in terms of could end up being that bad as well. Justin Jefferson, I mean, he's probably, at this point at least, looks like he's going to be the best receiver to come out of that draft. The Eagles could have had him. They drafted Rager instead. But uh, Ruben Frank wrote a piece on um, NBC Sports Philadelphia just putting how bad the Howie stuff has been um, in general, where, you know, they took Lane Johnson and Zach Ertz back in 2013. Ever since then, the Eagles have drafted one Pro Bowler, and that was Carson Wentz. That's it. There is no way you can win uh, doing that. It's almost amazing the Eagles have been successful as they have with the drafting being this bad. Um, the only defensive player how he drafted who's made a Pro Bowl is Fletcher Cox. That was back in 2012. Um And, you know, yeah, the Eagles have found some guys on the waiver wire, as I've said, found some guys late in the draft uh, that have produced a little bit, but you got to come away with the elite players. And Howie Roseman hasn't done that, and you're finally seeing it start to catch up with this team, where they've been able to kind of survive over the past few years. But you're finally seeing that all come to a head now where if you don't, you know, if you don't draft players, you can't fix everything through free agency. And this is how you end up overpaying a Javon Hargrave. And there are mistakes that compound themselves. Where you don't draft defensive tackles who can play, you end up having to go out and overspend in free agency. You spend on a guy like Javon Hargrave who comes in here, you pay him $13 million a year, and he's doing nothing for you. And, you know, that, that, that's a major problem. And as you look toward this season and, and how it could end and what, what's coming in the offseason, Jeffrey Lurie has a lot of decisions to make, certainly. Um, and one of those is, is going to be Howie Roseman. And I know Jeffrey Lurie likes him a lot, but at some point you've got to look at these drafts and really kind of evaluate 
whether this is sustainable moving forward. And I'm starting to think it's not. Uh, I really am. Where, uh, you know, Howie has, has not drafted well. We thought Joe Douglas um, did a good job helping him. Looking back, Joe Douglas, uh, you know, was involved in a lot of these bad drafts as well. And Joe Douglas with the Jets right now doesn't seem to be making things a lot better there, even though I guess they're kind of losing by design at this point. Um, but Howie's done a terrible job over the last few years, ever since 2017. And it's really uh, catching up with this team, unfortunately. Uh, 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. Now, one of the moves Howie did make this offseason was uh, for Darius Slay. Now, uh, I'll get to Darius Slay in a minute. Darius Slay uh, took offense um, on Twitter to a a comment made. Now, this is uh, on Fox Sports. This is Jeff Schwartz, former offensive lineman, and Clinton Portis. You remember him, uh, former Redskins, Broncos running back. Uh, they were asked, uh, they're doing some sort of betting show, and they were asked whether they would bet on DK Metcalf scoring a touchdown Monday night. Here was their response. Does DK Metcalf score on Monday night football? Prop King, Jeff Schwartz, DK Metcalf. Yeah, why not? Of course, I would bet him every weekend to score a touchdown. He's obviously a huge part of that offense, and Seattle's secondary is not that good. So I would bet on DK to score here. We really like to feature him a lot in their offense, especially those play-action shot plays, right? Russell Wilson throws the most beautiful deep pass in all the NFL. I would go with yes here to score a touchdown. If you remember, a couple weeks ago, he got totally shut down against the Rams and they came back against the Cardinals, and all they did was throw to DK Metcalf yeah. in the first half. Uh, Clinton, any thoughts quickly? DJ DK Metcalf to score a TD. I'm like Jeff. Every week I bet for DK Metcalf. <laughs> he got shut down against the Rams. It was Jalen Ramsey. Yes. He shut down against the Eagles with a cornerback that we can't name, a guy <laughs> that we don't talk about. Darby is gone. Darby is in, in Washington. So definitely scores a touchdown. Now, obviously, Clinton Portis doesn't know what he's talking about if he thinks Ronald Darby is any good. Ronald Darby's terrible. And we all know Ronald Darby's terrible. He clearly didn't do his research about the Eagles. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But, um, you know, you talk about the moves how he's made, and one of those moves he made this past offseason was for Darius Slay. Now, uh, Darius Slay apparently took offense to this on Twitter. Darius Slay gets offended easily on Twitter. Um, you know, if he's not regarded by some as a top corner in the NFL. But this is another move where Darius Slay's not a, a num- not a top corner in the NFL. Like, I don't know. I've been somewhat disappointed by him this year. He's fine. He's a good corner. Uh, he's a decent corner. He's not a true lockdown number one. Like, I mean... Can you think of one notable play Darius Slay has made this season? And I know good corners don't get thrown their way a ton, but I mean, I see him giving up, giving up completions every game. I see him giving up. He gave up a huge one to the Giants that pretty much sold that game away. So, um, you know, Darius Slay can get offended all he wants, but that's another move by Howie this offseason that was supposed to make a difference, supposed to really change this defense. Um, and, and it hasn't, it hasn't worked out as well as I think we hoped it would, um, where, you know, Darius Slay, who, who is supposed to be a number one lockdown guy, 
Um, he hasn't been that. And he'll get a chance Monday night. Uh, I hope the Eagles send him with DK Metcalf because, I mean, I don't want to see Avante Maddox or whoever else you have on him uh, potentially out there uh, guarding DK Metcalf. But, um, yeah, I've been a little disappointed in Darius Slay this year. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Um, when we get back, uh, I want to talk about a couple things with week 12, we'll do our full week 12 recap in the final segment of the show. Um, but I, I want to talk about uh, something that have the, the crazy ending in the Bills Chargers game and how it, uh, you know, kind of relates to the coaching carousel this year and why firing Doug Peterson, especially this offseason for the Eagles, would be a terrible idea. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Well, that was perfect timing uh, for that uh, BetQL um, rejoin there uh, because uh, I wanted to talk about uh, a, a gambling roller coaster on Sunday afternoon. We'll get to our full Week 12 recap in the uh, next segment, but you know, I I talk about gambling a lot, but I don't usually bet on a ton of games because I, I don't like when I lose. I, I just don't like when I lose. I mean, nobody likes when they lose, obviously. But, you know, I don't, I, I don't you know, enjoy it. And um, I get frustrated when I lose. So I don't gamble too often. Are you a, are you a big uh, gambler most? Do you place a lot of wagers on, on I, uh, football Sundays? I don't bet at all. Really? That's... I'll put, you know, this on it is the fact that my dad's a psychologist and over the years he's seen a lot of clients with gambling addictions. So I kind of got scared out of doing much more than like playing poker with friends. Hmm. You're a minority nowadays. Yeah, no, exactly. I also like, I don't love, I don't personally don't love how much uh, gambling has taken over the sports world, but... It definitely gives us a lot more to think about when it comes to games, and there's a lot of stuff that you can draw about, you know, what the outcome of a game might look like based on betting lines and prop bets and stuff. So it's definitely useful for our industry. Yeah, um, it is, and uh, I, I, even though I, you know, I, I talk about it a lot. I told we we do a week twelve, like a weekly preview on my Saturday night show, but um, I, I, I don't you know, usually bet a ton of games, but I did love a game on Sunday uh, that I talked about. So I did place a wager on it. And it was the bills against the chargers, the bills minus four and a half. And this game was just insane in the fourth quarter. Now uh, we'll do our full weekly recap in the next segment where we go through all the games, kind of talk about what happened, but I just wanted to kind of go through this here. And the, the blunder at the end of this game uh, by Anthony Lynn, the Chargers coach, which I think Anthony Lynn is is seeing his final days uh, in, in Los Angeles. I almost said San Diego there. But uh, this game is 24-14 in the fourth quarter. And I'm, you know, watching Red Zone. I'm hoping they check back in on it because I want to see what goes down with my, with my wager here. Um, but it's 24-14. Chargers are in Bills territory, turn the ball over on downs. Then the Bills fumble. Chargers get a field goal. So it's 24-17. Bills are driving. Josh Allen fumbles again, which Josh Allen is the 
weirdest player to watch. It's just just watching Josh Allen is like a roller coaster. Um, and he drives down the field. He fumbles. Uh, Chargers punt. Allen throws an interception. Uh, so the Chargers have another chance. Justin Herbert throws an interception right back. Then the Bills kick a field goal. So at this point, 27-17. I should be feeling pretty good, right, Mosh? should be feeling pretty good about where I'm at right now. End of the game, you know, chance for a backdoor cover. But, you know, I'm feeling feeling decent about where I'm at. And this is just like, this is part of why I don't like gambling. Because it's just a roller coaster of emotions. And it turns out not to be very fun, you know. Not that I have a ton of money on the line or anything. It's not like I'm wagering, you know, but it, hundreds even if it's of dollars. Five dollars, it feels like it's five hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, it was more than five, but it was less than you know a lot of money. So <laughs> I'll just put it, I'll just put it that way. Yeah, uh, but uh, so the Chargers end up getting to midfield very quickly, and I'm like, here we go. They're going to end up scoring a touchdown, losing by three, and I'm going to lose. Um, but then the the Bills get him to fourth and seventeen. They throw a bomb. Herbert throws a bomb that's caught at the goal line, and I'm like, oh no, I'm done. Offensive pass interference comes back fourth and twenty seven. I'm like, great, stop him here. It's over. Throws another bomb. Three Bills go up with an opportunity to intercept this pass. Goes through all their hands. Chargers guy catches it. Goes down to the two. But then what happens next? Is amazing. Anthony Lynn, the Chargers rush to the line. They have no timeouts. 30 seconds left. They run the ball up the middle. Get stopped short. They end up then throwing a, a pass. with the, the falls incomplete with six seconds left. Another pass incomplete. Three seconds left. Game on the line for me. Stop, Herbert sacked. Game over. It's just an amazing win. Usually you're on the wrong side of those. But that was, it, but that just—it's unbelievable the roller coaster that you can go through with some of these games. It's crazy. It, I mean, Anthony Lynn and this Chargers team—not just this season, but previous seasons—never fail to give you the most interesting ways to lose. Well, if yeah. you're betting on a game involving the Chargers, you're gonna have that kind of roller coaster that you went through. Right. Well, I tell this story to get to this point here because you know. Uh, many people are talking about Doug's job being on the line, and I mean, I, I think there's some merit to that. But this would not be the right off season to fire Doug Peterson, uh, just because if you're going to fire Doug, you know, obviously the goal is to replace him with somebody better. Now, I would say probably the number one thing that head coaching candidates look for in taking a a head coaching job is, you know, good young quarterback. Well, you look at the fact that the Texans have fired Bill O'Brien. They're going to be looking for a coach. They have Deshaun Watson. That's a pretty appealing job. You look at the Chargers. Anthony Lynn is going to get fired. They have Justin Herbert. That's going to be an extremely appealing job because what head coaching candidate wouldn't want to go coach Justin Herbert. So uh, there are already several jobs open. Uh, and also add the Jets in there who are going to end up with Trevor Lawrence. So right there, you look at Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Deshaun Watson. Even for even if you had a coach 
that believed in Carson Wentz and believed they could rehabilitate Carson Wentz. No coach is going to choose Carson Wentz over any of those three guys. Lawrence and Herbert are, you know, probably two of the best assets in the league at this point. Deshaun Watson, I still think, is a hell of a player. Um, had a great game on Thanksgiving. He, I mean, they took away his weapons there. He's going to be tremendous. So, you know, if you're going to fire Doug, who are you replacing him with? Because theoretically, you're not going to get, what, the top three coaches on the market? Because those other jobs are going to be more, um, are, are going to be more, you know, uh, more enticing because of the quarterback, right? Absolutely. If, Presuming Eric Bieniemy is the number one head coaching candidate, which I think everyone agrees is going to be the case, he probably goes to Chargers. It's it's Chargers right. or Trevor Lawrence and the Jets. Right. And with Chargers, it's not even just Justin Herbert. It's Keenan Allen. It's Mike Williams. It's Austin Eckler. I mean, there's so many like it's like a kid in a toy store, or a candy store, or whatever. For any offensive-minded head coach to go to, to, I almost said San Diego there, right? To go to L.A. and the Chargers, right? So you know, for for people who want Doug fired, like who are you going to replace him with? Like, you, okay, you're going to get maybe the fourth best head coaching candidate because nobody's choosing to come here over any of those places. Yeah, uh, this might be a better market than than, but I, I mean, I don't even know if it is than L.A. But the Chargers are second, you know, the second team in L.A. Um, but I mean, they have they have a great young quarterback. So you know, if you're firing Doug, who are you going to replace him with? And it's interesting because there's also another. There are a lot of weird Eagle stories over the weekend. Another one that alluded to maybe Doug wouldn't be that unhappy with getting fired, which I I, I should have gotten to that more tonight. Um, there's just so much other stuff to get to, but. Um, I mean, maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe Doug looks at it and, hey, if he doesn't really like Carson Wentz anymore, maybe Doug's looking at some of these other jobs and thinking, hey, I'll go coach Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson. I don't know what Doug's relationship is like with Joe Douglas, but, I mean, if Doug and Joe Douglas, or, yeah, if Doug Peterson and Joe Douglas have a relationship, I mean, Doug Peterson might look at the Jets and Trevor Lawrence and think that's not a bad option for him. Yeah, if it's we don't know for sure if it's a question of if any of that is true about Doug right. know, being okay. Right, we don't fired. even know if that's true. Right, but if it is, we don't know if that's because of not wanting to work with Carson Wentz or not liking the power that Howie Roseman has. So if there's a GM he gets along with, he'll go there. And now I'm curious what you think, Tom. You know, Deuce Staley is another name that I I think deserves to be talked about as a head coaching candidate or at least a true offensive coordinator. And say Doug gets fired, does Deuce really does Deuce end up wanting to stay here and take a head coaching job over Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Deshaun Watson? Well, I mean, if I mean he'd have to be considered for those jobs. I mean, I I know, but I'm saying let's presume that he is one of the candidates. No, I don't think anybody would choose the Eagles over any of those jobs. I don't think anybody would because I mean, if you're a head coach in in the NFL. Your best chance to succeed is having a top 10 quarterback. I don't think anybody would argue that Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Deshaun Watson all project to be top 10 quarterbacks for a long time. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, When we get back, we will do our Week 12 recap and go through everything that happened in the NFL. That's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.